0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks again for joining the 980s podcast, hosted by yours truly, Kevin Thompson, founder and CEO of 9i Capital Group. Thank you guys for joining us. As I always say, subscribe to the channel. As I always say, go and get my book, Be the CFP, live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at info at 9icapitalgroup.com. Send us your questions, or you can go to the website at www.9icapitalgroup.com schedule an appointment. As you know, we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. And today we have a wonderful, wonderful guest, the She-Gone Man himself. Today, we're talking baseball with Jeff Fry. Let's get it. <laughs> We have the Xigong man himself, Jeff Fry. You know what? I was going to introduce you as former Major Leaguer, but you know what I'm going to do? We are Major Leaguers, my friend. There's no former about it. We may not be playing, but we're still Major Leaguers. So Major Leaguer Jeff Fry, thanks for joining the 980s podcast today, my friend.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Kevin. I appreciate it. And you're right, man. I mean, one day in the big leagues, you're a big leaguer the rest of your life. Doesn't exactly,
0: exactly. It doesn't matter how you get there or how long you get there, as long as you get there. And uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful experience. man. So let's start there, my friend. Let's start for the first day. And I know we'll get to some other things in a second, but let's talk about the big leagues. Like, So you get your call up. Tell me about that day. Tell me about your day when you like, you know, hey, Jeff, you're going to the big leagues. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, it was – I mean, I'll never forget that day, yeah. obviously. It was uh, – I was playing for Oklahoma City 89ers, and we were in Louisville. Okay. Yeah, it was the morning, and I had a roommate, Bobby Brower, who had been in the big leagues for three or four years, and he was back down AAA. And, you know, when you're, when you're in the hotels in the minor leagues, a lot of times you call down and get a do not disturb or you take your phone off the hook so we can sleep till noon, you know? Yeah. So this day – for whatever reason, we left the phone on the hook, and it rang at nine in the morning, which was unusual. I pick it up, and it's my manager, Tommy Thompson. Yeah. Exact words. He goes, "You're not going to the AAA All Star Game." And I said, "I'm not." He goes, "No, you're going to another level, big boy." <laughs> That's exactly how he said it. And, and I, I I was looking across the room at Bobby Brower, and I didn't say a word. Yeah. And I was just looking at him, and and. He goes, come up to my room. I'll give you the details. And I looked at Brower and he goes, you're going to the big leagues. He goes, hey, yeah. you're not coming back either. So I was like, holy crap. So I go up to Tommy's room. He tells me, you know, the details. I got to go to the field. We got to call the clubby because he's not used to going to the field at, you know, 10 o'clock on a day, day game. Yeah. And so we got to call the clubby. He meets us there. Me and Brian Bohannon both are getting called up, get our stuff. They take us to the airport. We fly to DFW, land at five. Uh, there's a van driver there to pick us up, take us to Aronson stadium, get there at five 30 games at five. I walk in, see everybody. They show me my locker. They say, Hey, if you hurry up, you can maybe get out there for some batting practice. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to unpack my stuff and get out there for batting practice. So I said, I'll just try and get ready for infield. So infield yeah. six 10. So I, and they said, go check out the lineup. I walk over to the lineup and I look and you know, I'm number 51. That was my number in spring training. So I'm number 51 leading off playing second in the bottom of the, in the bottom of the lineup, number 34, Nolan Ryan's pitching for us that night.
0: Ooh, don't make a mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, I ain't getting, I don't even let, I don't even let, uh, get to let this settle in yet. You know, yeah. I just like, ride in the fire. So yeah, it's probably better that I didn't get a chance to sit around and, think about it and make myself nervous I was just right in there
0: yeah man and you mentioned Arlington Stadium that's taking us way back with the bleachers old school with the uh they had the uh the the advertisements and stuff mm-hmm. Dude, I remember Arlington Stadium that place whew, it, was, it was It was a uh definitely it, it definitely wasn't the ballpark in Arlington I tell you that
1: <laughs> it, was, it was it was like man I'm in the big league this this is it <laughs> you know, I was like, this is not very spectacular, you know, but, uh, you know, fortunately a couple of years later, they built the ballpark in Arlington and I got to play in there. So that was great.
0: And, and let's talk about that, man, the ballpark in Arlington. I can't believe that Arlington actually built another stadium to set like right next door and the stadium right now, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've never been there, but it's, but it looks ugly. It looks ugly as hell to me and baseball. Yeah. It's hot you play outside. It is what it is. You and I have that same mentality. Like, come on, man. Like, I mean, minor leaguers play outside and it's 110 degrees. So why can't, why can't you, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's about the fans. I get it, but beautiful ballpark. I played there a couple of times myself, with the, with the Oakland A's and the Yankees and yeah, man, uh, ballpark, I can't believe it's just still there. And it's, I think it's, is, is it a, uh, uh, like a, quasi soccer slash whatever kind of facility what what kind of a facility what do they do with that
1: i think it's all multi-purpose now they have soccer in there they had the xfl in there yeah Uh, then they have you know they can turn it into a baseball field and i mean it was only there for 25 years and it was still you know an incredible stadium when they first went up it was like one of the best maybe the best in baseball and uh you know some some good ranger history there and the new i've been to the new stadium a few times i haven't I've been to two games the last two years, and I get free tickets. So that's how yeah. I feel about the game. But <laughs> New stadium is nice because of the, um, you know, the air conditioning. I yeah. guess it's uh, it is ugly on the outside, and you know, I much prefer going to a baseball game sitting outside. It, it, you know, the, but this this heat in Texas, man, I don't know. It, it just seems to keep getting worse and worse. I mm-hmm. like I can't even go outside early anymore.
0: Man, it's, it's, it's a it's, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely bad. And you're listening to the '90s podcast with Kevin Thompson. We have Jeff Fry on the call today. We're about to get into some things here. So, Jeff, tell me about because I I know you transitioned from baseball. You you became an agent for a little while. Um, are you still in uh, in in that in that world?
1: Yeah, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, once my last big league client um, after nine years, you know, let me go with a minute and 14 second phone call. I, I broke my heart. And I was just like, man, I'm just just too nice. I'm too loyal for this line of work. You know, I just can't do that to people. So I I really kind of transitioned. I'm doing more of the keynote speaking and and traveling around doing, you know, camps and clinics and stuff. So I'm enjoying what I'm doing now.
0: It's it's more of a uh, less of a cutthroat type of thing. And you're putting your heart out there and you're doing what you want to do. It's just it's just what they call servant leadership. And that's what you're providing right now in regards to these kids. That's awesome what you're doing and going around to these kids, talking to them about playing baseball, talking about about life, man. And and I I truly appreciate that. Um, Another thing, this this is this is a good this is the the hot topic. The she gone moniker like what so tell me how you came up with that like this is the financial side of things so you have a business like the she gone thing tell me about how you came up with the she gone phenomena
1: yeah it was an accident kevin i'll be honest i uh you know when i was playing in the big leagues i would i was a big fan of the white Sox announcers because they do things that a lot of the other announcers wouldn't say yeah the lampy they'd say stuff like you know, grab some bench or ego, and <laughs> stuff like that. Other guys wouldn't say. And so, after I made my first video, like twelve second video, and I was imitating a, a kid that I saw on I don't know if it was Twitter or what, but uh, and my son videoed me, and I said, "Oh, the light bulb went on." And Then I just posted it, and you know, just joking around. I hadn't spent much time on social media, but I knew that I wanted to grow my keynote speaking business, and I had to get on social media to do mm-hmm. it. And so I posted that video and I was going to bed and I looked at my direct messages on Twitter and I really hadn't hardly even used Twitter at that point very much. And all these people were coming after me and threatening me. And then I got a couple like voice recordings threatening me and people were sending me pictures of my ex-wife and my kids. and I'm like, what? what is going on here? And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, what did I do here? So I was like, These people don't know me very well. I'm about to make another video. At the end of that video, video, I just none of my videos are scripted or anything. It's I just ad lib. If I mess up, I'll start over. And I just hit the ball and I said, "She gone like that." Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of people said, "You should hashtag she gone." Mm -hmm. I was like, "All right, what does that mean?" You should Mm do this. You should do this. They're like, "We need she gone shirts. We need she gone hats and all this kind of stuff." And that just kind of how it all happened, that's over three years ago.
0: Dude, I love it, man. I love it. And you go after some people. We all, I mean, I I don't get it. People think that hitting is, is, you know, uh, there's different styles and all this other stuff. At the end of the day, and you and I believe this, there's certain things good hitters do well, all good hitters do well. It doesn't matter if you're on if you're starting with your foot in the air or your your butts on top of your head or whatever it is. There's certain things that good hitters do well, and that's timing, rhythm, getting and getting into a hitting position now, yeah. all the other stuff, I think is just kind of like you know hogwash like you do, but at the end of the day, people don't don't take into account that there's certain things that all good hitters do and they're trying to muddy the waters like well, you can do it this way, you can do it that way and it's just like, You got the 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 snap thing, and you got the people doing crazy drills. Like when you see that kind of stuff, how angry does that make you?
1: (laughs) It (laughs) just makes me laugh. You know, it's really kind of sad when I when I look at it and I say, you know, there's so many people out there that really have no idea that that they think this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. And I just know that these people that are taking their kids to these instructors that are teaching this nonsense think they're doing right by their kids They think they're doing everything they can to help their kids. But in the long run, it's going to hurt their kids because they're, they're going to fail. And that's what I'm trying to do is educate people, educate parents. And Mm -hmm. you and I both know that we couldn't just watch the best players we played with and hit like them and be as good as them. And that's what they're selling. Do what the greats do, do what this, this guy does. You can't just do what Aaron judge and Mike Trout, And Juan Soto do those guys are are the best of the best of the best, and you know I wish I could have just copied Nomar or Juan Gonzalez or Todd Helton and and been as good as they could they were, but and that's the thing is like if guys like us that were good enough to play at that level can't do it, how's a twelve year old going to do it?
0: Oh my gosh,
1: you know, and so I think it's just in the long run hurting these kids and. You know, baseball is a game of failure, man. And when you start failing all the time, it's no fun. You're not going to want to play it anymore.
0: Uh, I used to watch uh, highlights of Barry Bonds on the plane. And I was like, man, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> this guy is 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 up here, man. Like The way he can swing the bat, the way he transitions his weight, the quickness of his hands, I just don't have that. And I'm okay because I'm Kevin Thompson. I got something, but I ain't right. got that. And it it's the same thing with Manny Ramirez I used to watch in the right hand. So I was like, you know what? He's got something that I don't have. And I need to stick with what I know and what I got. So you're yeah. absolutely right. The main issue with a lot of these people is they want to try to copy something Judge is doing that he may be doing something that, that gives him a feel. Not necessarily that, you know, he may be doing that, but that, that may just be giving him a feel of getting to a right position.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And But he's six six. 240 pounds or whatever you're not that so what you need to do is concentrate on the basics getting the bad head to the zone as quickly as possible and that's not what they're teaching
1: no and that's the funny thing about little richie when he you know he's just constantly showing videos of Aaron judge oh and to me it's it's just getting worse and worse because you know who else have you taught to hit like this supposedly that's having success nobody but we're going to use Aaron Judge, who, by the way, is 6'8", or 6'7", 280. Yeah. And so he, I know for a fact, I talked to a friend of mine that works in the Yankees organization. He says, we talked about, Judge, how he slices balls. He, like, mishits balls, but he's so strong that he can hit it at 400 feet.
0: Because he's he has leverage. This leverage. Yeah. It's all about physics, man. And not a 5 foot 5 kid can't hit like a 6 foot 6 6 foot 7 kid man this is ridiculous
1: no and if we tried to hit the ball in the air when we were coming up we would have never got out of a ball
0: oh my god hey <laughs> he wouldn't even be talking to me right now who's kevin Toss? who the I hell well, he had I
1: had a coach in A ball I had a coach in A ball that uh every time he was the first base coach and I led the league in hitting that year yeah. and he said every time I hit a fly ball he he yelled at me and goes ah, damn it you know he's mm-hmm. like Hit the ball on the ground on the line, do not hit in the air. You're not strong enough to hit it over the fence. So I right. tried not to.
0: Yeah, man. Um, but these, so so let's talk about that. Like, I don't watch much baseball anymore. To be honest with you, I watched a lot while I was playing because I didn't get a lot of playing time, just to be honest. I got a little bit over a year in the big leagues, and just I did a lot of sitting. I I played about 40 or 50, 60 games, but I did a lot of like, huh, you know, okay, you know, so I did a lot of sitting and it made me feel a certain way. So I'm I'm not gonna go into that, but at the end of the day, I haven't watched baseball since probably maybe I probably watched a combined nine innings of baseball for the last decade. So I don't know who's on the you're on the Rangers. I see some people coming in and all of that, but I just baseball to me it was never my favorite sport, but it was a sport that I enjoyed because one thing I love about baseball, and I will always love about baseball, is hitting. It made me feel comfortable. It made me feel in a good place, and I just loved to hit. So. That's one thing about baseball that can always bring me back mm-hmm. um so tell me about like what got you into this sport like what made you fall in love with it?
1: Well, my uncles um played grown up and they were playing softball when I was a little boy and and you know they would take me to my aunt and uncles would take me to the Giants games and the yeah. As games and so all we ever wanted to do was play baseball outside me and my cousin and we'd play you know, wiffle ball. We played with a tennis ball, a rubber ball, hard ball at the schoolyard. Or if it was, we couldn't go outside, we played Nerf ball in the house and we just were pretending like we were our, our heroes. Yeah. And, and I just fell in love with it. It's all I wanted to do was play baseball. And I would actually go in my grandmother's house. I lived with my grandmother growing up and I had a, a radio that I would get an extension cord, go all the way through the kitchen out there by the driveway when the Giants were playing and I would put the radio on, listen to the Giants game and try and, um, emulate every play that's happening. Oh, Vita blues in the windup. And he's doing the pitch and oh, there's a ground ball. And I throw it, I get a ground ball and I try to throw it in the square, you yeah. know, that was on the side of the house. And I just, man, I just loved it. And you know, I really just love playing all sports.
0: So, so baseball, like, where do you, so where are you from? Where'd you grow up?
1: California. Oh, you're a Cali kid. Ugh. I was born in Oakland, but never lived in Oakland. I grew up in Hayward and San Leandro. And I, then I moved to Oklahoma when I was 16 to a town of 2,000 people. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: So, Oakland, man, I'll tell you my experience with Oakland. Nothing against Oakland. I just, I couldn't live there, man. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not for me. <laughs> me either. I didn't like it there either. Oh, my God. Dude, that, that stadium is, disgusting. I'm sorry, man. That The Oakland A's stadium, like, oh, what is this crap? man? It smelled the yeah. first, I'm not saying anything bad, but it smelled a certain way. And I was like, this is not, and I'll tell you this story. I swear to you, and I, you probably experienced this as well, whether it be with the New York Yankees or the Oakland A's or some lower, uh, lower quote-unquote um, lower market team, it's a difference. It's an absolute difference. I go into the Yankees locker room, It's full and vibrant. There's energy there, right? Mm -hmm. And then my first day I get to Oakland and we're playing here in in Texas, actually. We're playing against the Rangers. I get here, it's empty. I'm like, what's going on? No energy. Just like, they only have one person following the team, one beat writer following the team. I was like, what is this? Like, I was under the illusion that all the major leagues was the New York Yankees. And that's, that's, that's across the board. But I learned really quickly that No, sir, (laughs) Bob. Not every organization is the same. So tell me about your experience with your multiple, like how many organizations did you play with? And tell me about your experiences with uh, you know, the most professional organization versus, you know, maybe not so much.
1: Well, I came up with the Rangers in '92, drafted by the Rangers in 88. And you know, when I got to Texas, you know, being my first time in the big leagues, you know, I thought this is this is what it is, you know. But you know, I happened to share a locker room with some you know, Nolan Ryan, Pudge Rodriguez, Ruben Sierra, Juan Gonzalez, Palmero, Dean Palmer. There were some horses there, you know? Yeah. And then, so to me, it was uh, kind of, you know, I just kept my mouth shut and didn't say nothing and just enjoyed my time there. But then when I went to Boston and I was like, wait a minute, this is different.
0: It's different.
1: (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. I remember I made, I made an error in one of my very first games at second base when Roger Clemens was pitching. Yeah. They booed me and they were screaming, you know, go back to Texas, Fry! You suck. (laughs) My wife had to leave the game crying. um, And I was like, damn, this is different. You know? And I was like, you know, not too long after that, I went four for four and my fifth at bat, I lined out and they gave me a standing ovation. Yeah. Then I went to, I got traded to the Rockies and that was like, country clubs like no uh intensity or whatever and then toronto was the same but boston the way i described boston was compared to texas and the other places i said in texas we could be losing 10 to nothing on a sunday and the crowd will go crazy and that's because the cowboys just scored a touchdown <laughs> we said but in boston if we lose on a wednesday night half the city's going to work pissed off tomorrow yeah from death you know and, and those yankees when when the Yankees would come to Fenway, when you would walk through the tunnel, get to the dugout, and take the step on the field to go run, you know, a couple sprints or play catch before the game, you could just feel the electricity in the air. And it was like, Man, I want to play today. I'm so excited to play in this environment. No
0: doubt, my friend, in playing in those Yankees. I was in the one I was in the game where we gave up back to back to back to back. Hey, and my, my buddy Chase was pitching so sorry about that Chase but gave <laughs> up four consecutive home runs I was in the dugout like whoa you know first one was like I think it was uh, J.D. Drew then Manny then Ortiz and then finished up with Veritech I was like they, and, then, and then they finally pull him out and I was like hey man and he, and he, and this is what my buddy says to me he says Kevin I've never done that before he says you know what that's never happened before
1: either. <laughs> 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 Yeah, um, oh
0: my God! So I was like, "You're in the record books, my friend. It's all good." But uh, I, I yeah.
1: can tell you, I know for a fact that uh, it happened in 2001. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what year this was, but this in one was two-
0: a 2006. So yeah, it was a little bit later.
1: Okay, so in 2001, when I was playing for the Blue Jays, um, I the day I hit for the cycle. Yeah, I Pat Mahomes gave up four consecutive home runs or four home runs in one one inning. Yeah, maybe not consecutive. So yeah. maybe yeah, four home runs in one inning, and I happen to hit one of them, ba- paint scraper, that barely got over, but <laughs> hey,
0: They all count. They all count. I don't right. care what they look like. They all count, my right. friend. I
1: don't know what my exit velocity was, but it went over.
0: Uh, oh, hey, if, if it wasn't over 100, man, it doesn't count. Apparently, right? It's
1: not a hard-hit ball.
0: <laughs> no, so, hey, a couple more questions for you, man. Thank you for joining us on this innings podcast. We're, get, we're about to get to some hard-hitting topics. For example, what do you think about launch angle, exit velocity, uh, the the – all that matters is you throw hard and all of that. Where's your mind on that? I know where it is, but I want you to to say it.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think we're valuing things that, uh, or the guys running the game now are valuing things that aren't really um, that important. And sure, everybody as a hitter, you know, we tried to hit the ball hard every time. Yeah. Um, You know, I see see people talking about, uh, you know, oh, it's all right, he hit the ball hard. It's like, no, it's not all right. His job was to move the runner over. So yeah. if he lines out to third and hits it 110 miles an hour and the guy's still in second, he didn't do his job. And so they yeah. want to glorify all these numbers and, uh, and also talk about how you, they would rather you hit the ball hard than hit a blooper. I was like, uh, there's not one guy playing the game right now that would rather line out than hit a blooper for a hit. Not yeah. one. Not one. But they want to act like, you know, that's, oh, if you hit the ball hard, obviously whoever hits the ball the hardest, the most often is going to, hit for a higher average and more power. That's, duh, and and, you know, the, the, the launch angle stuff, you know, you know, I can't stand it, but you know, these trying to pattern your swing to a certain launch angle. So you'll, um, you know, hit more home runs to me. How's that, how's that working for Joey Gallo? Well, he'll run into something every now and then, right. He's been swinging (laughs) up his, 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 he's, Career batting average. This is his eighth year in the big leagues. His career batting average is under two hundred.
0: Well, I'll say he got eight years. That's a good.
1: thing. <laughs> that's a he, got he can two. hit a mile, you know, and <laughs> just think. I feel bad because just think how good this guy could be if he could hit two fifty. Yeah. Try and to hit the ball a mile high and just hit it hard. And I just understand how he had to 220 adjustment. Even would have been.
0: I mean, that's twenty points, and that's less strikeouts. That's more hits. Oh. Yeah. Uh, So you, you bought this up and this is one more thing. Remember last year they were doing the shifts. I don't know what year it was. Was it the shifts or whatever? How angry did that make you that a professional hitter could not just have a quote unquote, I'll say this, a shit swing and go the other direction. Like if I'm left-handed and they give me the whole right, whole left side of the field, I can, I should be able to play pepper with that baseball and get a hit 9 Nine out of nine point nine out of out of ten times, so when I yeah. saw that, I was like, this is I can't watch this crap,
1: you know so no, man that pissed me off because I was like, okay, so we're going to make the game easier for the best players in the world because they refuse to make adjustments. yeah and I, that's not right. And the only thing that in my mind is I'm thinking about how do these guys not make adjustments and i I'm thinking they're being told by the people upstairs don't worry about it. We don't want you to stay back and go the other way with two strikes. We want you to continue with your A swing and try and hit the ball hard in the air because that's how you're going to produce more runs. Otherwise, I, I mean, I just don't understand. If somebody would have told me that, I'd have said, shut up, man. You never you never played. I got this. You are not. The, you didn't help me get here. I'm going to do what helped me get here. And that's with two strikes, changing my approach to put the ball in play and, and make something happen, put the pressure on the defense.
0: I was just looking at it and I was saying, Oh my God, the whole left side of the infield is open. There's no way you can't get a hit right here. You can, you can literally just give it like a softball swing and like just out there. And that's a base hit, but nobody did it. And one, and I was watching the Atlanta Braves one day and that one dude out the second baseman, the all, All all yeah. He did the same swing over and over and over. Like literally like he couldn't get a big hole. It's like, why can't you just make the adjustment and just? You're a professional, and I just said I just can't do it. I can't watch that crap, man. I, I'm not saying I was the best hitter out there, but I can make adjustments. I yeah. can literally make adjustments and make and make transitions to where I need to put the ball at certain times. It's just it just frustrates me to the core.
1: Yeah, we had. I mean, we had to do that stuff, and I I know as uh, the type of hitter I was, you know, a line drive, ground ball hitter, a kind of a table setter guy that. When I walked up the home plate, I checked the defense. Yeah. You know, and if the shortstop was shading me up the middle, I try to hook one in the six hole because if I make a move two steps over there, he's not throwing me out. Yeah. And on a hit and run, especially, which was my bread and butter, was a hit and run. And I would watch the middle infielders when there's a runner on first to see who's cheating over, who's covering the base, if it's a right-handed hitter. That way when I went up for a hit and run, I had a pretty good idea of which one of the middle infielders was covering. And if it was a shortstop, I was going to try to pull a ball in the, at the shortstop. I'd go out and try and hook it that way instead of just hitting a ground ball to second base. Yeah,
0: man, it's it's it's, it's infuriating to say the least. And I know a lot of your shigon felt uh, brethren uh, love what you do. I appreciate what you do, my friend. You, you you spit knowledge to the to the community. You you bring uh you bring context and truth to the community. And thank you for all you do, Jeff. Thank you for your time today. I know we kind of talked a little bit about your game, talked a little bit about the history. Is there anything else Mr. Jeff Fry would like to leave the community with today?
1: Just that I think that, uh, and I appreciate you saying that, Kevin, it's just, you know, I think parents need to take a step back and, and realize that the odds of their kids playing in the major leagues are so slim. That don't put uh, so much pressure on your kids to perform at a high level. Let them be kids. Let them have fun. Let them ride bikes and climb trees and throw rocks and just be normal kids. And don't make them play baseball year-round because your dream for them is to be a professional baseball player because the odds are not good. And I think a lot of these kids are being forced into these situations. And they're going to resent their parents for it. And the parents... I mean, I, I said real quick, I sat next to a kid on a flight to uh, um, Connecticut the other day and he looked like an athlete. I say, hey, man, you play baseball? And he goes, yeah, I did. I did. I said, what happened? He goes, well, he goes, I got a scholarship to go play baseball, but I was just so burnt out. My dad was so hard on me that I didn't even want to play anymore. And yeah. here's a kid, the baseball scholarship that his dad beat him down so, so much over the years that he didn't even enjoy it anymore and didn't want to play anymore. And that broke my heart for this poor kid because he, I mean, he looked like Mike Trout. He knows what this kid could have turned into, you know? So I'd say, parents, let your kids be kids and have fun and let them decide what they want to do with their lives. Don't decide for them.
0: Jeff Fry, not former major leaguer, but major (laughs) leaguer on the 90s podcast. Thank you for your time today, my friend. Thank you for the knowledgeable words. I appreciate you and God bless.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on, man.
0: You just heard Jeff Fry on the Line at 9 Innings Podcast, hosted by yours, Julie, Kevin Thompson. Like I always say, subscribe to the channel. Like I always say, go and get my book, Be to CFP Live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at info at 9 I capital or you can go to the website at www9 As you know, we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. And Today, we talk to the Gone Network. Jeff Fry, thank you for joining us. Stay humble, stay safe, and we'll see you again soon.